Welcome to Roadside, where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Roadside. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! For those of you who are not watching the video, I just did like a little jazz hands thing to make it extra sparkly. Extra sparkly? Yeah. Well, my name is Abigail, in case you don't know, um, and that's oh. my mom. Oh, right. I'm Janica. Janica. So we announced on our last week's episode that we're now on YouTube. Heck yeah, we are. Which we are, however. Oh, boy. My computer is about 10 years old, and so it has doesn't have enough memory in it for me to use the program to edit the videos. So I tried to upgrade the memory, but then I didn't have the right tool to open it. So I had to buy the tool. Then by the time I got it opened, realized I had bought the wrong memory. So that's awesome. I will get there and it will be on YouTube. I promise. I do have a couple little short videos that, that I did put on YouTube that were from our TikTok. So, you know, it's there, but our episodes... Yeah. Hopefully by the time, well, I'm going to edit this probably tonight and post it tomorrow. So by the time the next episode comes out, hopefully yeah. it will really, all these will really be on YouTube. Yay, YouTube. Yeah, you get to see our faces. Yes. Isn't she pretty? Oh, thanks. You're so pretty. When I say, <laughs> got it from my mom. <laughs> Love it. Uh, in the meantime, you can go to our website, Roadside podcast.com all of our socials are there which is facebook instagram tiktok youtube and you can also email us oh yeah email us (laughs) (laughs) email us uh join our patreon we've got bonus episodes on there yes very fun bonus episodes actually so yeah, and so today Abigail texted me and she said, uh, this is going to be a two-parter, but I don't want to take your episode 22. 22 is my favorite number. Yeah, I couldn't take that from her. And it's very special, and I've been looking forward to having episode 22. Yeah, she, ever since we started this, she was like, episode 22 is mine. <laughs> okay, I don't think I said it that way. She but. didn't. <laughs> no, she was so aggressive about it. So Totally. She said, if you don't give me episode 22, you're not my daughter anymore. Yeah, I will disown you. It's exact word for word what she said. <laughs> uh, but episode 21 is an awesome episode, too, which this is our 21st episode. Yes. And the reason why is because research shows that most podcasts don't make it past episode 20. And we're on 21, so... And we're on 21. Suck it. Technically, we're in the top 1% of podcasts now, so I think we've made it. I'm going to start bragging about that. <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody that. We're in the top 1% of podcasts. We're just in the top 1% of podcasts <laughs> in the whole world. Uh, it's not even like that big of a deal. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's really not that big of a deal because, you know, we've been doing this for a little while and it's what we love to do and... You know, we don't have a super huge following at the moment, but that little bit of like, that little statistic just makes me so happy, you know? Me too. Me too. (laughs) You know, you're right. We don't have a super huge following, but I do love when people 
comment or they'll even friends or family say something to me or somebody will comment something online and it's just like, oh, people are listening. <laughs> I know. Like people actually listen to this? Right. What? <laughs> Besides me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Besides the two of us. <laughs> just listen to us ramble about random, random shit. Yeah. Yeah. But episode 22, we're going to give you another surprise, guys. We are. We are. Oh, we are. We are. We discussed this through text today. I knew that. I knew that one. I knew that one. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them what we're giving them. Oh, okay. Go for it. Okay. So we on episode 22, because 22 is an awesome number, and so yes. you deserve something special for episode 22. You always deserve something special. Always. We're going to give you a bonus episode. Which is going to show you what we talk about on our bonus episodes. So you if you're sitting on the fence about being a patron, the next episode will convince you. We'll reel you in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you. I'm excited about that. Me too. Is it gonna be like a is it gonna be like a mini episode or is it gonna be a full length episode? I don't know. I gotta study more, but so okay. our bonus episodes for the most part are just mini episodes, you know, like 15, 20 minutes long or whatever. No ads, no like sponsors. Yeah. But they're only for patrons, but all levels of Patreon gets the bonus episodes. So I don't know for sure because I just found it today. Um, But our bonus episodes are like the world's biggest, tallest, longest, smallest, whatever, those kind of things. So yes. And they are, they can, just like our regular shows are sometimes fun, sometimes creepy. Sometimes spooky. Yeah. Yeah. It's the history behind those. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Although we would love to hear from you to see what you would like us to do. Yes, please. If you have, and if you have an idea of like the world's biggest something or whatever, just send it to us because we would love to know about that. Yes. Yes, you would. would. Yes. I just heard Freya's jingle bells. Yeah, she just did a little shake. She's still in the cone. Oh, still? Yeah, she's going to be in it for a little while because that spot on her back that she, it's like scabbed over now. Yeah. So I don't want her to start licking at it again and like pick the scab off and, you know, start all the way from the beginning. Right. So she has to stay in the cone. She's a sad girl. Poor little Freya. But she's been getting a lot of extra cuddles and scratches and everything oh good i bet she loves that she does i don't know where she (laughs) went but she's around here somewhere um before we start which i know you're super excited for this episode because it's a two-parter and i have a two-parter planned uh which i was going to do for 22 and 23 but it's going to take so much studying and then i didn't want to give the big one yeah i didn't want to give you guys two two parters back to back because i felt like we did that before and it was it's a little, little overwhelming. It's a lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna hold off on my two parter for probably another few episodes because there's a lot to study on that one. I don't know what I'm gonna do for after your two parter, but that's okay because I get episode twenty two. Yes, of course. I would never take that from you. Thanks, babe. I wouldn't. Did you get episode nine? I was just thinking. I did. I think. Okay, good. Yeah, because for the most part, you're doing the odds and I'm doing the evens. Although, yeah. you know, when there's a two-parter or whatever. Might switch around every once in a while. Yeah. So I've discovered a new podcast. Tell me. 
I think I might have said this on here. I bet you knew this. I was taking Spanish lessons with a mm-hmm. tutor. Yeah. And it just got too hard to schedule them because mm. I work full time. So um, she didn't do really do a whole lot of availability on the weekend. So it was like yeah. I was trying to do it at night or I was trying to, you know, do it just like fit them in. And so they were becoming so few and far between. Yeah. Like the Duolingo has the, the app. Yeah. Well, they they have a Duolingo podcast. Really? And it's so fun because it's like little Spanish stories. I mean, you can oh. do other languages too, but right. they're like little inspirational stories and they give you part of it in English and part of it in Spanish. Hmm. And it's fun for me to listen. And they said it's intermediate learning, which um, some people talk slower and some talk faster, but it's it's been helpful to, and to see like, oh, I do know what that sentence means. Yeah. So, that is cool. Yeah. Uh, but you can listen to that on Audible and you can go to audibletrial.com slash roadside and help support us and get a whoop, whoop, free 30-day trial of Audible. Yeah. Do that. Do it. It's better. And then um, if you like that podcast, let me know because – I think it's been kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound fun. It is. What other podcast is fun? Ours. That's right. Yeah. Which is also available on Audible. Yeah. And pretty much anywhere. Where else? Basically. You listen to podcasts. Yeah. Where, where you're listening right now, it's available. What? Right? That's insane. That is insane. I didn't know they could find that on here. <laughs> right here. Right here. Right here. Well... Speaking of our podcast. Yes. Let's get into it. Okay. I know you're excited, so I want to hear that. I'm so excited. So this has been in my brain for a long time. Okay. And I started studying it actually a while ago and then realized this is a lot. Okay. And I needed to do something else. Today we are talking about the Velisca axe murders. I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> the Velisca axe murder house, specifically. House, yes. Places. Correct. So, insert uh, trigger warning here. We will talk about murder. We will talk about dead children, murdered children. And we will talk very briefly about child sexual assault. Very briefly. Okay. I just thought I'd let you know, just in case. I know. Back to the heavy stuff. I know. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. The Velisca Axe Murder House is located at... 508 East 2nd Street in Villisca, Iowa. And this takes place in 1912. Villisca, Iowa in 1912 was a super safe town. There was not a lot going on. It was like this little church town, basically. Everybody went to church. Everyone knew each other. Everyone was nice. Everyone kept their doors unlocked. And it was also a dry town at the time. So, you know, I didn't even have to deal with, you know, drunken, disorderly people. Yeah. It was just very chill, everybody knew each other kind of town. Okay. So this takes place on June 9th, 1912. And a little weird fact about the town at this time, they were having like the town council and the light company were having a, an issue with like the street lights is what I mean, the street light company. Okay. And the town wanted better streetlights. They wanted more lighting. They wanted replacements for old ones. You know, typical stuff you need to light a town, you know. 
Right. The light company didn't want to do that. They were like, no, thanks. Pass. <laughs> okay. And they fought a lot about it, like on and on and on. It was a constant argument until one day the light company decided, you know what? We're going to shut off all the streetlights mm. for the night, just for one night. Okay. And it happened to be this night oh. where a bunch of people were murdered. Oh, God. So this night, the entire town was pitch black outside. It was so dark, no one would have been able to see this happen, Ugh. which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the Moore family, which is the family who was murdered, sadly. Mm. The Moore family consisted of dad, uh, Josiah, who was called Joe. He was 43. Sarah, the mom, who was 39. Herman, their oldest son, was 11. Mm. Catherine was 10. Boyd was 7. And Paul was 5. Oh, Jesus. I know. The Moors were super well-liked in Villisca. Um, everybody loved them. Everybody knew who they were. Joe ran his own successful business where he rented out and sold farm equipment. Okay. Little interesting side note about this. He had just recently begun selling John Deere equipment, which, you know, everybody knows John Deere. Yeah. And this was actually an account that he had at his old job where he was like a salesperson at a different company. Okay. He had the John Deere account at that job. But when he left and opened his own business, he took John Deere with him. Okay. So John Deere started working for him instead of that other company, which is awesome for the Moore family. You know, they get more money. They were a little right. more successful. But the other company didn't like it. Right. They just lost a shit ton of money because the John Deere account was huge. And guessing they didn't have any kind of uh, agreement that you can't take customers with you back then. I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. So that was Joe. Sarah was super involved with the church. Everyone said that she was a great mother to the kids, said she kept a very tidy house, which good right. for her, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't keep a tidy house, so good for her. And you don't have any kids. I don't have any kids. <laughs> and actually, her her father-in-law, after she passed, even said when talking about her that her children were always very clean, mm -hmm. which is a pretty high compliment yeah. for kids, you know? Yeah. They're messy. I worked at a preschool, I know. <laughs> Yes, they are. It was rough. <laughs> the kids were also really loved in the church. They were super involved, um, and everybody everybody loved the kids. The house that they lived in was a pretty, pretty decent size for their family, their family of six. They lived on a farm, so they had a lot of animals. They had a lot of land, and they were always seen outside, like, doing something on the farm, you know? Yeah. Got to take care of the animals and all that. Right. On the evening of June 9th, 1912, the Moors went to church. They went to the Children's Day service, which was like a once a year service, and they were all really excited. And Sarah had actually like planned the whole thing. Hmm, okay. They brought two neighbor kids that were friends with Catherine. Their names were Lena Stillinger and Ina Stillinger. Lena was 12 and Ina was 8. So, like I said, the children's service was a once-a-year thing, so it was, like, a really big deal. It was, like, kickoff of the summer type thing. So the kids got to perform songs and do, like, little dances and, you know, with the other Sunday school kids. And after the service, they all kind of hung around and socialized with each other until about 9.30 when the Moors and the Stillingers headed back home, which was only three blocks away. So this night, Catherine invited Lena and Ina to stay the night. 
Lena and Ina actually had had plans the next morning to go to church and then visit with their grandparents, but they changed the plans so they could sleep over at the Moore's house. Okay. Yeah. Lena and Ina actually, they had to ask their older sister if that was okay because their parents weren't there at the time. So they looked to their older sister and their older sister was like, yeah, sure. No, no problem. Like go stay the night at the neighbor's house. That's fine. You know, you wouldn't think anything of it. How old was the older sister? I don't know, actually. Okay. But the older sister said yes. So they all went back to the Moore house and they had milk and cookies and then they went right to bed. Between midnight and 5 a.m., some man grabbed Joe's long-handled axe that was out back and entered the house through an unlocked door. All the doors were unlocked. Yeah. There was even a key in one of the doors because, you know, everybody trusted everybody back then. Right. Inside, he found an oil lamp, and he carried this oil lamp with him throughout the house, but he actually split the wick of the oil lamp into two so the light that he shone wouldn't be as bright. Huh. So it would be darker in there. Got it. And all the blinds were already closed and everything, so it was already very dark in there. Like I said, the town was dark. Right. So there wasn't even like a street lamp outside, you know? So the first thing that he did was walked past the downstairs bedroom and went right upstairs into the adults' room where he killed Joe and Sarah in their sleep with an axe. Jesus. Then he made his way to the Moore's children's room, which was right across the hall, where all four of the Moore children were sleeping Mm. and did the same thing to them. Those babies. Then he went to the downstairs bedroom where Lena and Ina were sleeping and did the same thing. And before he left, he just really took his time, you know. He he washed his hands in a little bowl of water that he left there dirty. He ate some of their food. You know, he just kind of hung out. What the fuck? Yeah, just hung out. And then he locked all the doors behind him when he left. What? Yeah. So, like I said, there was a key in the door. Yeah. On one of the doors. He could lock that last door behind him. Interesting. So, the next morning, June 10th, 1912, the neighbor, Mary Peckham was right next door. She also had a farm. She was like, something feels weird. She was out there doing her chores, her farm chores, and she noticed that the family wasn't up at like 6 a.m., which was really weird because they always got up early to take care of the animals and do the farm stuff, you know? Right. So they would usually wake up like at the ass crack dawn to get their stuff done. (laughs) But she noticed that their curtains were still shut and there was like nothing going on inside. And she said she just had a weird feeling. So she went over there and she knocked on the doors to check on them. Nobody answered. She even tried to open the doors, but all of them were locked. So she went and started to take care of the Moors animals for them Hmm. and started to do their morning chores um, because, you know, cows got to be milked, chickens got to be fed, like that. But she was getting more and more anxious. And who else was getting anxious? The Stillingers. Yeah. Uh Lena and Ina's parents. If they didn't receive a call in the morning, that was weird, you know? Right. They were expecting a call from the Moors to figure out, like, oh, what time should I come pick up the kids? You know, how was their night? Stuff like that. But Mrs. Stillinger called, and no one picked up. So by 7.30, Mary decided to call Joe's brother, Ross, to tell him what was going on and say, hey, I feel like something weird's going on. She said she saw them come home last night after the children's service, but she hadn't seen them all morning. So Ross was kind of concerned, and he called his brother's business. So an employee picked up the phone, 
and said, yeah, I haven't seen Joe all day. It's really weird. He was supposed to be here like hours ago. Mm. The employee left the business and went to the Moore's home. Well, he called them first. Okay. He called the Moore's home. No answer. And then he decided, you know what? I'm going to leave the business for a little bit. Go check on them. And he met Mary there. And he helped her with the rest of the chores. And then she kind of filled him in on what was going on. There was no knock on there. You know, there was no answer at the door. And there was not a lot that he could really do. And he kind of figured, you know what? Maybe there's maybe there's something else going on. I don't want to bug them. And I don't want to leave the business unattended if like a sales call comes in or something. You know, right. Joe would be mad. Yeah. So he went and went back to the business. So half an hour later, Ross decides to go to the house at 8 a.m. He talked to Mary about what was going on. He knocked on the door, kind of banged on the windows, starting to yell at him. Nothing was going on. Ross didn't have a key to the house. However, back then, keys were like not as advanced, I guess. Yeah. He basically found a key on his key ring that worked for the house. Okay. He like kept trying them until one of them worked. He opened the door and walks in. Mary is there as well, but she said, I don't want to go in there. I'm staying out here. Oh, my. So Mary stays outside. Smart lady. She really had a feeling something happened. She really did. Ross opens the door and enters the house. He said as soon as he walked into the house, it smelled like death. Oh, God. I know. So he entered the very first bedroom he came across, which was the downstairs bedroom where Lena and Ina were. And he saw two figures laying still on the bed, sheets all the way covering them, and there was blood soaked into them, into the sheets. After he saw that, he was like, I'm out of here. He left the house, and he went to Mary, and... The first thing he said was, something terrible has happened. Mm. Immediately, he called the city marshal, Hank Horton, who arrived at 8.30 a.m. Hank Horton was like the highest ranking police officer in the town. But even he had never seen anything like this before. You know, this was, it was a dry town, not a lot of stuff going on. Right. You know, the most he might deal with is theft or, you know, a fight or something. I don't know. Um, but he was definitely not used to stuff like this. I'm picturing this as like the town that's like the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, yeah. You know, like not a lot's going on. Everybody loves each other and whatever. So yeah, you could gosh, yeah, I can't imagine sure. that. So Horton entered the house and went into the same downstairs bedroom Ross had gone. And he found the axe in there, mm. in the downstairs bedroom. It was covered in blood and other things, but <sighs> it was... Very obvious that someone had tried to wipe it off unsuccessfully. Mm. They just left it there. Horton then made his way up to the master bedroom where the parents were. He said there was blood everywhere in that room. It was on the walls and the ceilings and the bed and the floor. It was Mm. everywhere. It was spilling off the edge of the bed. That's how much there were. I know. But they were able to tell from the blood blood splatter that the murderer was left-handed. So, got something there. Hmm. Yeah. The ceiling also had several places where it seemed like the murderer had chopped into it with the axe. So, like, on the swing back, yeah, the axe went into the ceiling. Huh. They also found a second oil lamp that he had done the same thing to cut the wick. They found a second one in the bedroom. Sarah and Joe's heads mm. were very smashed in. Mm. They were not recognizable. Oh, God. If they didn't know who lived in this house, they would not have been able to tell who was, who that was. Horton then went into the second upstairs bedroom where the Moore kids were, and he found all four of their bodies 
which were all covered with blankets or jackets or something to cover their whole bodies and their faces. Mm. When Horton came outside after sweeping through the house, he went up to Ross, who was Joe's brother, and said, my God, Ross, there's someone murdered in every bed. Already at this point, at like 8.39 in the morning, the entire town is talking about this. Everybody knows. Jesus. Except Mrs. Stillinger. Mm. Mrs. Stillinger picks up the phone to try to call again. And, you know, back then you had to go through the operator. Yeah. So she picked up the phone and said, you know, I'm trying to call the Moore's house. The operator is a bitch. Oh, God. And said, everyone in that house is dead. What the fuck? Huh? What? Jesus. Why would you say it like that? Right. Everyone in that house is dead. I can't put you through. What a bitch. Seriously. And this is a mother, and this is how she's finding out that her kids are dead? Yeah. What the fuck? I cannot imagine (sighs) what was going on in that poor mom's brain. No, me neither. Dr. J. Clark Cooper arrived on the scene, 845. And he entered the scene with Horton and a couple other doctors that were going to do autopsies, and the Moore's Reverend, Reverend Ewing. Together, they all kind of started to piece together what happened the night before. So they did another walkthrough of the house. First, again, they walked into the downstairs bedroom where Lena and Ina's bodies were in the bed. Both had been killed with axe blows. Ina was killed first and then Lena. And it seems that Lena was killed last out of everybody. Ina's face was covered with a coat to cover her injuries. Yeah. And Lena was found in a very strange position. Mm. She was halfway down the bed with her arms above her head, almost like she had been, like, dragged down the bed. Yeah. And her legs were spread. Her underwear was removed and put under the bed. And also, her underwear was bloody, and they think that that... But they don't think that she was raped. Okay. They don't think anybody in the house was raped. But they believe that the killer used her underwear to try to wipe the axe. Hmm. Weird. That is really... Her nightgown had also been pulled up above her waist. So, like I said, the doctors think nobody in the home was raped, but they do believe that Lena was assaulted in some way, either before or after she died. Jesus Christ. Lena and Ina were so badly injured that the only way they could tell who they were was by the names inside of their Bibles. Mm. That was the only way they knew who these two girls were. So, they continued into the house. And discovered that Joe was definitely beaten the worst. Oh, God. He was the only one who was hit with the sharp side of the axe first. Everybody else was first hit with the blunt side of the axe and then the sharp side. Mm. Joe was hit over 30 times. Oh, God. I know. That's, that is some rage. Mm-hmm. That sounds personal. Yeah. The more children were in the other upstairs room, like I said, and... They had all had the same injuries. From what they can tell, the killer started with the parents, hit Joe with the sharp side of the axe, then hit Sarah with the blunt side of the axe, then went into the Moore's kids' room where he hit them with the blunt side of the axe, then finished with Lena and Ina hitting them with the blunt side of the axe. Once he knew they were all dead, he went and circled back around. What? And hit them with the sharp side of the axe. Yeah. Most of their injuries were to their faces. Mm. It's like, 
I don't know. It's just, it's so like cold and calculating, you know, like sick to my stomach. Like give them each like one hit, make sure they're dead and then circle back around and chop everybody's faces. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. The theory is that he did this to like dehumanize them to make them unrecognizable. Mm. They were finally able to tell each person, each person out of the eight people in that house had been hit at least 20 times. God damn. There was a five-year-old in that house. Uh, Isn't that awful? That is awful. I know. The killer also covered everybody's face with something. And after he killed them and mutilated them, he walked around the whole house and he covered every window, mirror, and any reflective surface with a cloth. So there's two theories. One, this is guilt, and he didn't want to see his self, his face, or the reflection of anybody else. Two, back then, funeral traditions were that you covered a mirror if there was a body in the room. Really? Because you didn't want the mirror to look out their soul or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. You weren't supposed to have mirrors. That could also be it, but there was already covers on the windows, like the blinds were shut. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was making it extra dark. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to skip this next part. Okay. I was going to talk about it. Okay. But I think it's too much. So I'm going to skip it. Okay. If you want to know what this part is about, you can look it up. And it does involve bacon. Okay. So you can look that up if you want to. I'm going to skip past it. I guess, I'm guessing I don't want to hear that. You don't. Okay. So after they finished up with the house, they had to go search all the other buildings on the property, the barns and stuff. In the barn, they found hay bales, which had been moved into like a bed, a makeshift bed. Okay. And there was a human-shaped indent in that bed. What the fuck? And next to the haystack was a hole in the barn wall through which you could look and see basically the entirety of the Moore house and in most of the windows. Oh, God. Yeah. The theory is that this guy had been in there for a little bit and was basically watching them to figure out their routine. Mm, yeah. Before he made his move. Because he always knew the doors were going to be open. Yeah. They never locked the doors. I wonder if he'd been in the house before. I was wondering that too. Because if he if he knew to walk past that downstairs bedroom That's, and yes. upstairs to the master bedroom... He had probably been in that house That's before. what I was thinking, because why would you walk past a bedroom if that was your intent? I would think that he would go yeah. into that room first. Right. So he very well, if he had been spying on them for a while, yeah. could have been in there just to, you know, see where everything was. Right. Some people think that he was actually in the house when they got back from church, <sighs> that he was hiding. Mm. But experts don't think that that is true. Um, the reason that they, that some people think he was hiding in the house was because they found footprints in a closet Hmm. in one of the kids' bedrooms. However, that could have been just from like anybody walking into the closet. That's where you put your shoes, you know? And they think that in kind of the chaos of getting children ready for bed, he for sure would have been found in one of the kids' closets. Yeah. You know, you know, getting out the PJs and whatever else. So they think that he entered the house later on after everyone had went to sleep. Yeah. Horton and the doctors began to search through the town and kind of figure out, try to get more experts on the case to help them out because 
nobody had encountered anything like this in this town before. You know, this is an entire family murdered in their beds mm. overnight. You know, this town hadn't even probably hadn't even seen like an actual one murder, you know? Right. And it was eight. <sighs> they began to search for people who could help them out. And they left one guard at the house to guard the house and said, don't let anybody in. <laughs> okay. He failed. He's one person. Right. Against a crowd of people outside. Oh, Jesus. People who were friends with the Moors, people who went to church with them, people who worked with them. They were all crowding around the house, trying to get inside, trying to figure out what happened. Ugh. People. These children and parents were just murdered. Right. Do you want to go in there and see that? Mm. No. God damn. Over 100 people entered the house that day. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? And... Basically trampled over any evidence. <sighs> they all touched stuff. They all looked around the house. They all took things and just messed up the entire scene. Oh, my God. The whole thing. And this is, this is graphic. Real quick. Okay. Someone took a piece of Joe's skull. Oh, God. Why? Oh. I don't know. They just took it. And apparently later displayed it. Oh, <sighs> Who would do that? That is fucked up. That's my question. After this, fingerprinting was impossible Ugh. because everyone had touched everything in the house. Walked all over it, looked at the bodies, touched everything. It wasn't until noon, after all these people had gone through the house, that they decided, oh, we should probably, like, close off the house to the public. Do you think? Dummies. <laughs> yeah. People be stupid. People be real stupid. Mm -hmm. So that's part one. Okay. Can I ask you a favor? Yeah. The next time you're going to do one like this, can you warn me in advance that it's going to, like, can you give me a trigger warning before we start recording so I can prepare? Yes, I can do that. Yeah. Ooh, that was, that I was rough. It's a lot. And in part two, we're going to kind of go over a little bit more of the investigation. There's going to be less graphic stuff in part two. Okay. Because part two is going to be talking more about fucking. I got to edit this. You know the investigation, and this case is unsolved. Is it? They don't know who did this. Still, I already have my theories, so I'll have to see if your theories line up with yeah your theories. Part two is where we're going to go over the theories of who done it. Okay. Can I give you my theories now so I can see if they're right on the next one? I'm so ready. Okay. My first theory is it's somebody with the light company. Okay. That's a good theory. My second theory is that it's someone that from the company that Joe worked for before. Also a good theory. Both theories we will talk about. Okay. So those have those are out there. They're out there for sure. Okay. Because they're just too strange to like like the one night that the lights were shut off. Right. Hmm. You know? And it just sounds... Did someone do it on purpose? Very targeted and personal. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since Joe was the one who was treated the worst. Correct. I just don't, like... Like, if you have a vendetta against someone, don't kill them and their entire family and their kids' friends. Right. Just, like, some general good advice for our audience out there... Don't kill people. Yes. I think I think that's just gonna be our fucking tagline on some of these. Just I know. Don't kill people. We're gonna put that we're gonna put that on t-shirts. Don't kill people. We've, we've said that one a few times. Yeah, we have. <sighs> okay. 
So is part two going to be graphic too? Potentially. Okay. I mean, there might be some parts in it because we are going to talk about the crime, obviously. Okay. And we're going to go through um, a trial, I think, actually. Okay. So we are going to talk about it a little bit more, but it's not going to be as detailed as this. Okay. But we have a palate cleanser in between. Yes, we do. Kind of. <laughs> kind of? <laughs> well, because we do have a, a teaser of a bonus of what our bonus episode is like. But I can tell you right now, it's it's uh, there's some stuff in it that you might not like. So me, well, that any, I might like. Not like maybe not you. Maybe not anybody. anybody? I don't know, we'll see. Okay, I'm just gonna say it's not like a it's not like a a fun like you know corn palace type of yeah <laughs> yeah. But, All right. but I want to give um, our listeners an idea of what our bonus episodes are like. Yeah, that'll be fun. If they want to listen to some bonus episodes, they can, can become a patron. Yeah, do it. Hey, I should not have ate right before this episode. I really feel nauseous. Sorry. Ugh. I'm really sorry. I should have told I you. To keep drinking water. I was just like, oh, God, okay. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, it was good to read, too. I'm probably not going to edit today because i need to like not listen to all of that right now understand (laughs) i'm gonna go work out in the garden now yeah okay have fun okay i'm probably gonna go eat and then i gotta work okay unfortunately all right well i'm sorry guys that was a real bummer that was yes yes but we will talk about um the investigative aspect of it in the next episode, which is kind of my favorite part. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I love you all. Love you all. Ah. Kisses. Keep finding the thrill and the mysterious. Yes. Yeah. Do that. Bye. Bye. <laughs>